if I can call together a meeting of the investor-owned electric company chief diversity officers, we can quickly begin to make impact across an industry by getting the right people in the room. And I think that that's one of the hugely impactful things of EEI is our convening power. Hi everyone, welcome back to the All Inclusive podcast. On today's episode, I'm joined by Courtney Peterson, Chief Diversity Officer of Edison Electric Institute. We explore how the electricity industry is lighting the way for diversity, equity and inclusion. Courtney shares details of Edison Electric Institute's recently launched industry-wide DEI initiative that integrates workforce development and DEI priorities. We also dive into the realm of female leadership, emphasising the importance of setting personal boundaries. Courtney also shares her personal experiences as a black woman in senior leadership, shedding light on the unique challenges she's encountered due to the intersectionality of race and gender. As always, before jumping into the video, make sure you hit that subscribe button, turn on your notification bell, and follow on your favorite podcast platform so that you never miss an episode. That being said, let's jump in. Hi, Courtney. Hi, Natasha, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you today? I am doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk with you. Mm, me too. So let's start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and your role as the Chief Diversity Officer of Edison Electric Institute. Absolutely. Um, so I guess the first thing I want to explain is what the Edison Electric Institute is, because I'm sure people have questions about what we even are. So EEI is the trade association that represents all of America's investor-owned electric companies. And so our members provide electricity for nearly 250 million Americans. We operate in all 50 states, as well as the District of Columbia. And as a whole, the electric power industry supports more than 7 million jobs in communities across the United States. Um, in addition to our U.S. members, EEI has more than 70 international electric companies as international members and hundreds of industry suppliers and related organizations as associate members. So it's a really amazing organization. My role is Vice President of Human Resources and Chief Diversity Officer for EEI. So it's an exciting role. I get to serve the employees of EEI internally, and I also get to engage across the industry with all of our member companies across the United States and across the world. Mm, lovely, fantastic. So um, you mentioned with the fact that you partner um, with a number of the members as well as um, helping your employees as in, in DEI. So how has how's that been? How has the collaboration with the other members been? What, what have you seen that works well? Of course. I mean, well, we all know the work of DEI comes with a lot of challenges. Um, but one thing I can say that I'm I'm so encouraged by the commitment of our industry around this. So EEI's member companies are, are truly committed to advancing racial and social justice, as well as diversity, equity and inclusion within their companies and across our industry. So, you know, building on programs that were already were well underway within our electric companies, EEI as a trade association launched an industry-wide DEI initiative in September of 2020. And what that does is it integrates workforce development and DEI priorities into one strategic initiative. And to just kind of drill down on that a little bit, by supporting EEI's DEI initiative, um, our member companies have agreed to a number of things. First, they have agreed to promote racial and social justice within their companies. 
Second, they have agreed to advance DEI goals and diversify their workforce at all levels. They've also agreed to provide more equitable access to employment opportunities for underrepresented and underserved members of their communities. They've also agreed to create a workforce that is more representative and responsive to people from all backgrounds. And finally, they have agreed to take measurable actions that can address the racial and gender gaps within our industry and accelerate the ability to reach and support those suffering from systemic racism, poverty, and economic disadvantages. In you all coming together, what have you found to be the the benefit? So because it, there's quite a lot that they've committed to do. And so when right. you do come together, what has you, what have you found to be the most effective in those meetings? Sure. I mean, I think the opportunity to learn from each other is huge. I mean, the, the benefit of having an association is that you can quickly scale ideas and efforts because you can come together in a room um, and, and make plans and make agreements and begin to execute on them, right? So if, if I can call together a meeting of the investor-owned electric company chief diversity officers, we can quickly begin to make impact across an industry by getting the right people in the room. And I think that that's one of the hugely impactful things of EEI is our convening power. We describe our relationships with our member companies as power by association. And so the ways in which we get things done is through our convening power. And so being able to call together chief diversity officers and chief human resources officers or supplier diversity leadership, um, you really can impact change pretty quickly across an industry when you have that kind of convening power. Um, we've been intentional about trying to measure our progress as well. And so in order to participate in the DEI initiative of EEI, our member companies have had to commit to at least three specific actions to support our industry goals. Um, and so that, that that looks like ensuring that the efforts are driven from the top of the organization. And so we're able to convene and talk to the CEOs of our member companies. Um, that also looks like removing barriers to entry, expanding and broadening the pool of diverse candidates to be able to work in our organizations, um, establishing stronger community connections with the communities in which our organizations, our companies do their work, and as well as establishing infrastructure academies and training programs. And so our member companies are doing these things and, and, and figuring out which one of these actions are going to work best for their organizations. But many of our member companies are doing all of them. Mm, oh, fantastic. And so in your experience, what have you found to be some of the key components in, in order to be successful um, in terms of diversity, equity, inclusion? From what I have experienced in my career, and I would say as a practitioner, it's really important to have that leadership commitment. Um, a commitment to DEI from the top leadership level is vital. And when leaders prioritize and champion diversity and inclusion initiatives, it sets the tone for the entire organization. Um, and I think it's very similar to conversations about, about culture within workplaces as well. But that top of the organization commitment and walking the walk and talking the talk, and that is really going to be a difference maker and to ensure that DEI can be um, successful and sustainable within an organization. Um, and I would say with my HR hat on, I would say inclusive policies are really important. Um, implementing and enforcing policies that promote equity and inclusivity, ensuring that leaders have the training and, and are adopting the mindset to be um, inclusive leaders is really important. 
Um, but when I look at policies inside of a workplace, I'm looking at things like fair hiring practices and equal pay um, and anti-discrimination policies and policies that actually can be um, enforced and that people can be held accountable, as well as regularly reviewing and updating these policies to make sure that they remain effective. Um, you know, every organization is unique, and I think it's important that leaders are looking to tailor strategies to fit their specific needs in the context of their workplace. But it's also really important to stay updated on research and best practices in the field. Um, and one of the things I try to do is just to stay connected to a community of learners as, as a DEI practitioner, because things are constantly evolving um, and none of us have all of the answers or, or know everything. And so the community that you build is equally as important. Um, and so I, I like to see that also as a, as a strategy that organizations use, sort of how are you continuing to learn, continuous learning? Mm, definitely, I think it's important. Um it's there's always going to be new things coming out challenging circumstances the world is ever-changing right and so you need to be able to constantly be learning about new ways and new strategies and to innovate in order to be able to accomplish the goals that, that you want to accomplish um and continue to sustain that inclusivity within your organization um so you talked about leadership and it being important that it's coming from like the top down, like you've got that buy-in. Um, what would you say is the most impactful when it comes to leadership and the role that leadership can play in in when it when you're looking at DEI and, and inclusivity? Oh my gosh, I could go on all day about this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you were to ask me the, the, the topic or topics I'm most passionate about, leadership would be at the very top because I think leadership is a difference maker in organizations. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I think that there are a couple of things or a number of things I think are really important in terms of leadership and its effectiveness in being able to promote DEI in a style that, you know, that I try to embody also. Um, and I think that that looks like a, in being an inclusive leader, right? And I, and I think that that starts with a level of self-awareness. And, and, you know, inclusive leaders are aware of their own biases and privileges. Um, I teach part-time at Georgetown University here in D.C., and I teach the Foundations of Human Resources Management course. And this is to graduate students. These are working professionals who either work in HR um, or are looking to sort of level up in their career. And I always say to them, you know, raise your hand if you have a human brain and everyone raises their hand. So to have a human brain is to have bias, right? And yeah. so this is about being aware of your own bias and your own privileges um, and also being able to continuously educate yourself and be open to different perspectives and experiences, being intentional about that. Um, so that self-awareness piece is really important. I think the active listening piece is really important as well. Inclusive leaders really do genuinely listen to their employees. Um, they seek to understand different viewpoints and they encourage open and honest communication. Um, and they give their full attention to what other people are saying without interrupting. They ask clarifying questions. Um, so active listening, I think, is like super, super important when it comes to being effective. And there are, I mean, there are a lot of other things that, that fall into it as well. Like I think empathy is important. I think, you know, being culturally competent is important. Um, being a curious learner about 
things that are different than you. You know, we all have a unique perspective in terms of how we were raised and shaped, but other people have very different experiences. And so there, there's a piece of curiosity that also has to be a part of that and, and genuine curiosity. Um, and I, the last thing I would say is as leaders, I think it's really important that we are able to address uh, conflict and, and learn how to resolve conflict. I encounter a lot of leaders who are very conflict averse. They say, I don't like conflict. I don't want to deal with conflict. I'm like, you know, to be alive is to potentially have a conflict and especially to be in a leadership position where you have to make hard decisions. Um, so I think inclusive leaders are ones that address conflicts promptly uh, and they, they endeavor to create spaces for employees to express concern and to resolve conflicts through open dialogue and respectful communication. Yeah, that, I mean, that's that's the next question that I was going to say is that I totally agree. And so for you, um, and, and you mentioned it, is it, this everything that you have said is a, is a leadership style in which you try to, um, to try to implement it for yourself. So when you are confronted with with a situation where there may well be some conflict in in the decision that you're making, what? How do you overcome that? How do you deal with that? Mm. Well, I, I think that you have to you have to sort of reverse engineer that that question because I think building trust is is paramount and found and foundational um, in in the workplace, but in any human relationship. And so. I try to enter into new spaces, building relationships with people on an interpersonal basis, on a one-on-one basis. Um, and inevitably things are going to get hard because that's just life. Like it gets hard. And so if you built a relationship, then you actually have some relational currency um, to tap into when things get hard. But I think treating people with respect and honoring their humanity and listening to their perspective has served me well as a leader. And I certainly have gotten into conflicts with individuals. Um, I seek to resolve them as quickly as possible. No one is perfect. Um, but I think building that relational trust early and not just waiting until you have a disagreement with someone to figure out like, how are we gonna figure out our relationship? Like we should have a relationship. Um, and this is what I tell my teams is sort of, you know, build those relationships with your colleagues, with leaders, with me, um, so that when things get challenging or difficult, you have that to lean on that, that understanding and that trust and that mutual respect, um, is, you know, is, is a great, is a great, um, place to start. <laughs> mm, yeah, no, definitely. And I think that's mm. great, but I'd love to get your perspective as a, as a black woman in, in senior leadership, um, you likely have encountered your own challenges, unique challenges. Um, can you tell us a little bit more on on that and, and how you've you've dealt with it and handled it? Oh, what a great question, Natasha. Um, yeah, I think that I can't speak for all Black women in leadership. I certainly will speak from the eye perspective. I do think that there are unique challenges due to the intersectionality of race and gender. Um, and you know, there is a, this phenomenon that is, that is spoken of called the glass cliff phenomenon that many women of color face, um, in their professional journey. And this applies to a trend where women, particularly women from underrepresented groups are more likely to be appointed to leadership positions during times of crisis or when a company is facing challenges and that metaphorical cliff represents sort of this precarious, um, nature of the leadership position. So like in corporate America, Black women may find themselves on that cliff facing challenges of leading organizations during difficult times. Um, and I have experienced that. Like I have sometimes felt like I'm, I'm asked to do the impossible. Yeah, you're like you're set <laughs> like, up to you fail. Know, like you're just, right. yeah. Like, let me dust off my cape, but there is no cape, right? And so, you know, I, I think what I try to lean on in those moments is 
continue continuous improvement of my own leadership skills. So like, and what that means is like being able to have the level of strategic thinking, decision-making, crisis management, like those foundational skills in leadership can really enhance a person's confidence and effectiveness in challenging situations. And so trying to, you know, remember to remain calm and to be clear thinking. And sometimes that means you have to step away from a situation to be able to catch a breath and take a beat before you re-enter um, into the conversation. So I think developing leadership skills has been helpful for me. Um, I think another thing that has been helpful for me is building a strong professional network and having mentors who have been able to provide guidance and advice to me throughout my career. I have been extraordinarily blessed by having incredible mentors. Um, and what I often tell people when I'm asked, you know, how did you get to, you know, where you are as a leader? I would, I say kicking and screaming because I actually did not set out to be, you know, this, this leader, this executive, um, but I had mentors who saw things in me where they said, no, like you need to lead that, you need to run that and really help me pull up um, because of their belief and their confidence in me because I was somewhat of a reluctant you know, leader. And then once I got into the seat and realized that you can really impact change and impact people's lives in a positive way, that you can use your power to help people, then it became something that I very much embraced um, you know, I keep a quote in my bathroom I look at every day, and it's a Toni Morrison quote, and it says, the function of freedom is to free someone else, right? And so she talks about, if you're free, you need to free someone else. If you have power, you need to empower someone else. And that's the way I try to look at it when I feel particularly challenged as a Black woman in leadership. Um, I lean on my network. I lean on my mentors. I call my trusted people. Um, and I, they are always able to offer me perspective and insight that helps me sort of reframe when I'm feeling stuck. Um, and then I, the last thing I would say is making sure that I take care of me, you know, and making sure that I'm not doing things that violate my own um, my own boundary and, and uh, whatever that situation may be. Like, I know what my boundaries are. I know what my limits are. And if it's too much, I will walk away from a situation um, that I feel is pushing me too much in that way. But, you know, maintaining um, personal health and well-being is really important. Taking care of your own well-being is going to enhance your resilience and your decision-making skills. And so you have to put yourself at the top of your list because if you don't, who will? I love that, actually, because setting boundaries is something that I'm not very good at either. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Um, and when I, I noticed that the times in which I haven't been very good at doing so, um, I it's been to my detriment. And I've ended up either saying something, blowing up at somebody when actually had I just said no or not taken on that task, I probably wouldn't have ended up feeling like this and then just had no no bandwidth in order to, to kind of soften my tone. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you know? So I feel like, yeah, it, I think it's, it's so important to set boundaries, but it can be difficult. Um, so mm -hmm. for you, I mean what advice would you give for for female leaders out there that are just starting out on their journey what what would you say is, is an actionable task that they can kind of take from today to do mm -hmm. in order to help excel them forward sure I, I think there are three things that come to mind and I, I mentioned one of these which is continuous learning I think it's really important um you know, I find myself now at, at, you know, the middle of my career in the middle of my life, and it comes up on you really fast. Um, and I think being a lifelong learner is going to serve 
anyone well, whether whatever domain of leadership they decide to go into, but in particular in DEI. So being aware of, you know, research and trends and best practices, attending conferences and workshops and webinars, um, engaging with other professionals in the field. This is a constantly evolving field. Continuous learning is absolutely necessary to stay um, effective, to stay relevant, but also to have a community and a network of people that you can tap into to, to reach out to for support, to ask questions, and also to contribute to. Um, and so, because we always want to be giving, we don't want to just be taking. Um, so I think that that continuous learning piece is really important. I think that aspiring practitioners should really work on developing their strategic and data-driven sort of um, approaches to DEI initiatives. And so identifying areas where your organization can really make the most significant impact and setting clear and measurable goals, tracking your progress over time, using data to assess the effectiveness of your efforts and being willing to adjust. You know, we have to be able to be flexible and to be able to shift. Um, and that's also equally important to me. And, and I would say the last thing is, and this is kind of a tie into leadership, is to lead by example. I think it's important to embody and hold yourself accountable for what you would expect of others. Um, you know, I, I work with a lot of America's most well-respected CEOs in my work at EEI. I mean, some incredibly talented, gifted leaders. And, and one of them always says, he says, as a leader, you cast a really long shadow. You have to remember people are watching what you're doing. And so I think it's important um, that you lead by example always. And, um, you know, people are paying attention to what you're doing and what you're saying, and your body language, and just be aware of the impact of, of the shadow that you cast as a leader. Mm. And I think that goes, I think that goes so well with, with, with understanding the, the importance and kind of looping back to, to why it's so important to have that senior leadership buying is because that people are looking up to see, okay, well, what, what are you doing or the head of the house kind of thing. Um, yes. so what what are they doing and if you're displaying leadership qualities as empathy you're you're being open and transparent you're being like if you're showing all of those then people are going to more likely want to em emulate that as well right I agree 100 percent. that certainly has been my experience when I look back on being a, a young less experienced professional to where I am today, where I'm leading large teams and in the C-suite, um, I was looking up to what was being modeled. Um, and I didn't see a lot of people who looked like me in the C-suite. Um, but I learned from a variety of different leadership styles. I learned the kind of things that I wanted to be more like, and I learned the things I didn't want to be like. And I would say to myself, you know, one day if I ever get in that position, like this is how I'm going to do that job. And that moment has come, right? And so, you know, it's it really is a privilege to be able to um, mentor and coach, you know, the next generation of leaders. It's a privilege to be able to teach them at Georgetown. Um, I take their responsibility really seriously. Um, my parents always said to me, to whom much is given, much is required. And so I try to show up for that assignment every day. And I'm just grateful for the opportunity to talk to you a little bit about my work. So thank you, Natasha. No, thank you. I, I'm The work that you're doing is amazing. Um, and I think you as, as a person, as everything, love, 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 love um and yeah i think it, and for you sitting in the position that you're sitting in and in addition to that you're not just you're not just doing it for edison electric you you're you're not just doing it for the employees that work there but you're also working and collaborating with others in order to to kind of cast that wide net and spread it's like kind of kind of like a ripple effect right so yes. 
the more people you can touch um, and get them to understand and then to support and help, um, the quicker we will be able to to create the change that we're all looking for. Um, and and ultimately, we're here to make sure that, and what we're trying to do is ensure that everyone is able to thrive. It's a simple thought and it, it should be simple, but it does require us to sort of work together to achieve that goal. And, and you, you actually brought to mind some of the other work that I do um, with the Society for Human Resources Management, which is the largest membership association for HR professionals around the world with over 300,000 members. I serve on the board of the foundation for SHRM. And we talk about around that board table, creating a world of work that works for all. I mean, that is like such a profound equity statement. Um, and that kind of, that inspires me to get up, to think that I can be a part of that and lock arms with others so that we can get that done together. I mean, those are the rooms I want to be in. I want to be in the rooms with the people who are the thinkers and the doers and the dreamers, and they want to get out there and make a difference. And I've just been really, really blessed to end up in those spaces in my career. So oh, no. Fantastic. <laughs> well, Courtney, I've so much enjoyed our conversation today. Like, honestly, I could, I could probably talk to you for hours. Um, but I know I don't want to take up too much more of your time. It is precious. You are doing great work. Um, so for anyone who is out here listening and they want to connect with you, how can they do that? Of course, um, they can certainly find me on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn as Courtney Peterson. Um, and we, I would love to connect with you there. I share things about the work I'm doing at EEI, um, the teaching I'm doing at Georgetown, the board work I'm doing with the Sherm Foundation. Um, and I would love to be in conversation and community with your listeners. So please reach out to me. I will be putting down below a link to your profile on LinkedIn. So anyone who is listening, they're able to easily access that and connect with you. And once again, Courtney, thank you so much for joining me today. I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation and I wish you all the best in the future. Keep doing what you're doing because it's amazing. Thank you, Natasha. Take care.